Welcome to Coffee Time Conversations on art, faith, life, and of course, coffee. We are your hosts, Robert and Rebecca Prince. Thank you so much for joining us. Well, we are glad to have Katie Arthur back with us today. She joined us back for our Christmas episode, and uh, we know each other through Hope Writers, and so we're glad and honored to welcome her back in the studio with us. So welcome, Katie. Thanks so much. Thanks. Yeah, good to have you back. Well, you know, with the new year, uh, of course, usually comes a lot of planning and preparation and things like that, and I know that's uh, a little bit of what we've talked about. Um just with side conversations. And so is there something that uh, you do for the new year to kind of prep and plan, or do you just kind of fly by the seat of your pants? Yeah, no, I don't fly by the seat of my pants. I'm a planner, Um, (laughs) probably more so than a lot of people. Yeah. So, I mean, one of the main things I do is I get my new planner and set it all up and get ready. Um, this year I'm looking a lot at planning for my blog and my writing and what I want that to look like in January and going forward. Yeah. Yeah. And so do you try to plan the full year to some degree or is that your hopes or just a few months at a time? You know, pre COVID, I would have planned 12 months in advance. (laughs) Uh, What's the point anymore? Right. Like I, I typically will focus more quarterly. Um, but also leaving room for things that change and, you know, but putting the regular stuff in there. I think this year, one of the things I really want to focus on is um, routines, specifically like a morning and an evening routine. It's been so hard to have those with the way 2020 was. And, you know, my son was in school, then virtual school, then back in school. And, Um, we just never knew what it was going to look like. So having those routines to start and end the day were near impossible. Right. Um, but that's so important to how we function and, you know, it sets you up for a much better day if you have a start and end routine. So I've already been working on that some, but I want to focus on that more. Well, and even like with us, I think a feeling of accomplishment, being able to say, Hey, this is, this is what I hope to do tomorrow, but this is also what I've done today. Uh, I think that's where it helps me the most um, with planning and being able to review, even doing like a daily review for us. Yeah. You know, I recently heard um, Heather Holloman is a devotional writer and she talked about a prayer practice that she uses that I actually would really like to implement kind of along the same lines of a reflection on the day or a daily review. Only it's uh, helping you see the fingerprints of God and the um, just being thankful for where he was. And so she writes five things down and I couldn't tell you the scripture reference to save my life, but it was in Psalms where he talks about, In the morning, I rise and I, you know, I bring my prayers before the Lord. And in the evening, um, I praise him and how that passage really built this practice. So she writes five things down in the morning that she's praying for. And it could be as simple as my child is a size 10 shoe and she doesn't have winter boots. And I need to go to the store and find winter boots today because we're supposed to get a snowstorm tomorrow. And so, Lord, let there be 
size 10 winter boots there. Right. <laughs> you know, it's, yeah. it's a simple prayer request, but it's five things that really she brings her day before the Lord um, with just five things. And then at the end of the day, she can look at those five things. How did God mm. answer each of those requests? Maybe he didn't provide the way she, she hoped, yeah. Yeah. but how did God answer? Um, and then, and I, for me as a mom, I thought that's a great way to help bring gratitude practice into the evening. What are you thankful for today? What mm-hmm. did you, because you've intentionally already thought about in the morning what you need right. and what is there for your day. Yeah. That sounds really cool. Yeah. I'll have to look, uh, look that up. I, that's not something I've heard of before. Yeah. Uh, it or, sounds really or, helpful to me because I have a hard time. Um, Thinking through all that, you know, I, I live on autopilot so often that sometimes, um, you know, I do say a prayer and get an answer or that sort of thing, but I'm not always conscious of the reality of it, what really happened and, mm-hmm. and that sort of stuff. So, yeah, sounds really cool. Just a, yeah. another way to be real, to be very intentional with your mm-hmm. day. Yeah. So, and I've cool. I've kind of done a practice of that myself before of just writing a um just having a journal that I write my prayers in and mm-hmm. then I just put a smiley face next to it if it gets answered. Oh yeah. Um and I can make a note if it got answered in a specific way that I want to remember but you know sure. being able to go look back at God's faithfulness to answering our prayers and he does hear us. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. That's very cool. Um, just a, a side note. Have you read the book, uh, 1000 gifts with, uh, by Ann Voskamp? I have not. Yeah. Yeah. I, I actually have, haven't read it to be honest. I've listened to it. Audible book. Uh, it was several, three or four years ago. I had a, a job that was not a lot of brain power required, just a lot of physical action, repetitive action. And so, uh, I listened to that and it was a great, great book. Of course, I, I love the way Ann Voskamp writes and, she read it herself, and so it was, of course, her story. And so it was a great, uh, great listen. So if you ever get a chance, but it's also, you know, just speaking about gratitude. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's great as well. But, well, you know, we're all about trying to help people resource and um, take their next step as well, um, something that might be usable for them. Do you have any tips or suggestions, um, resources that you use to help you plan or um, preview the next year, or maybe even recap the year that we are just finishing that may be helpful for people. Yeah, I don't have any specific ones. Um, I have kind of put together my own questions from like Emily P. Freeman, The Next Right Thing. Mm -hmm. Um, There is one that I want to try and use this year um, from Elisa Pulliam at moretobe.com. And she also has a podcast, More To Be. Okay. Um, And she put together a... It's, I think she calls it equipped for living intentionally. Um, okay. And it's just a PDF document that you can get on her website that okay. goes through kind of reviewing and setting yourself up. Yeah. Okay. Very cool. Well, and of course, everything we mentioned during the podcast, will be sure and link to in the show notes. So if that's anything you're interested in, uh, we'll have links there. So, well, good. Well, thanks for, thanks for sharing that. I know, yeah, with COVID this year, it does seem like plans have just gone out the window, but at the same time, I've, I feel like, especially my wife has been in uh, a new rhythm the last year that she's never been as far as creatively, especially. Yeah. Well, 
you know, when you were on the episode last time, you had mentioned uh, being a spiritually mismatched wife. And of course, your website is called themismatchedwife.com. And so that's pretty vague. And a lot of people could think a lot of different things. What does what does that mean? Can you explain that a little bit? <laughs> it doesn't yeah. mean I wear mismatched socks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which my wife did yesterday, actually, or day before. A couple days ago. Anyway, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So what it means is my husband and I have different worldviews, really. Um, we When we got married, we were both proclaiming Christians. Um, we met at a Christian college. And about uh, five years, no, three years ago, um, he renounced his faith and walked away from the church and um, does not believe in the Lord anymore. And so we okay. walk different spiritual paths. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, was that something that happened gradually or was that a, was that a pretty, pretty quick happening as far as like, you know, over months or yeah. over weeks or? Um, you know, we've talked about it a couple times because oh, hindsight's always twenty twenty, but, um, he would say September of 2017 is when he really started thinking about walking away um, and changing his worldview. It wasn't verbalized in our marriage until April of 2018. Um, so it was definitely a process over those six months. Sure. Um, looking back... We both have talked about, was he ever really a Christian? And I will say, those are questions that only the Lord can answer. Sure. Um, only he knows his heart and what was and was not. You know, he accepted Christ when he was eight years old. Um, and I'm not even going to pretend to be a scholar on theology on that matter. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> um. I think before we, either of us could really pinpoint when that change started actually happening in his thought processes, it was probably there. It just wasn't really something he noticed until September, and it wasn't verbalized until April. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, and so how is, as what you think is a a matched, spiritually matched spouse, right? How do you deal with something like that as the person not going through that change? Yeah, it, it was pretty traumatic for me. Um, the The phrase I put to it is he changed the rules on our yeah. marriage mm-hmm. after we had been together for five years. Yeah. Um, so, and, you know, Lee Strobel is one of the more commonly known stories of a spiritual mismatch, but his was the opposite. His wife became a Christian after they were married and he didn't become a Christian until later. So she changed the rules on their marriage is what he would say. Um, it's hard because you, you don't, as a Christian, you don't want that for someone that you love. Um, you don't want it for anyone, but when it's someone you love, you know, he knows my firm belief is he's going to hell right now. And that's yeah. not easy sure. to to have for someone that you love. It's not easy to feel like that's what their future is. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually 
it sent me into a tailspin because um, I had to reevaluate my beliefs. I now was not, I was defending my beliefs on the home front. Um, We didn't, he's always been very gracious. Jared has always been very gracious and let me attend church, believe what I want to believe. He's never forced any of it on me. Um, He's perfectly fine with us raising me, raising our son in the church and teaching him the Bible. Um, But I still was facing, you know, my belief set says your belief set is wrong. Yeah. And I'm going to be teaching that to our son. That's not what I want to teach him. (laughs) So having to reevaluate, do I really believe what I believe? And if so, can I stand firm on it? Can I back it up? Um, And that meant dealing with some stuff from my past that I hadn't dealt with. Um, I was diagnosed with complex PTSD um, from some stuff that I hadn't dealt with. And now this trauma being on top of it um, and having to really face some of that. Sure. Wow. Yeah, I I can't imagine uh, going through that. I know, you know, there were, of course, times in my life uh, well into our marriage, um, you know, probably well, maybe right around the same time, five years. Um, I, I don't, I don't know. I never made it to the point that it sounds like your husband did, but I definitely questioned um, whether I really truly believed. It. And I, for about two years before we got married, I questioned what I believed and if I believed why. Was it because I was supposed to? Because I grew up in the Bible Belt, or um, so I, I researched a, different religions and different beliefs, worldviews, and. Um, and then uh, met Rebecca, of course, and uh, you know, on our episode, talk about how how that belief came to be and how I became secure in that. But there was also a time where I really questioned a lot of things that were happening in the church, a, um, and whether that was truly biblical or truly godly, and what that meant for me, because to me they were one and the same. And so, you know, we, it's not a appropriate, or at least it hasn't been um, okay to talk about those things within the church. And even within small groups, which Rebecca and I have always been a part of small groups to some degree, it it doesn't even feel safe to talk about those in small groups. And these are people you do life with and see on a weekly basis, let alone within the church. And so I have never had people to talk to those things about, and I couldn't talk to my wife about them because she grew up in the church. I mean, her belief was strong and solid. She had already been through her questioning stage and came out on the other side and she knew what she believed and, and why. And so I think, you know, so many of those conversations, like you said, he kind of started having those thoughts, but then didn't verbalize them until April. So six, seven months later, Mm -hmm. if we could have had those conversations, if he could have had those conversations with somebody and felt safe, whether it with you or, or people within the church, a, a solid group of men, um, you know, we'll never know how that might've changed, but is that something you ever think about or have thought about or talked about with him? Or, yeah. Um, and some of those conversations are slowly starting to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of it is me getting comfortable again and trusting him again to have those conversations, you uh, know, it's, yeah. And bringing up something that like it feels like it's already been decided, so sure i don't I don't want to bring it up and be combative about it yeah. um 
So for them to happen naturally sometimes is hard to make that happen. Sure. Um, I've had to learn that he's not combative about it at all. He will very willingly have those conversations with me. I tend to be the more on the defense when it comes to stuff like that. And so I have to be in the right frame of mind to have a conversation and just be willing to listen and state my beliefs, but not have to change his mind, you know? Um, And through some of those conversations we've discovered, there's things that I thought changed about his beliefs that didn't necessarily change about his beliefs. Um, We went to marriage counseling in the beginning. um, And one of the things that we did was um, write down our values, especially when it came to raising our son. What values do we want to pass on to him? Our values are pretty much the same. Mm. Where our values come from is different. Yeah. Your writing that you do and uh, your website, your blog, themismatchedwife.com, we've had a a short conversation, you and I have, about your hope with that and where that was kind of born from. And of course, we know that's from from your relationship, right? From your your marriage. And so what's kind of your hope and why do you do what you do with your writing? Yeah. I... I believe that this story that I have is much more common in the church than people realize. Yeah. Um, there are probably many spouses attending church because that's what you do, mm-hmm. but they don't actually believe it. They don't actually walk it. They couldn't back up their beliefs if their life depended on it. And I want people who are in that same place to know that they're not alone um, and that it's okay to have that story. Um, I think we place so much identity on the wrong things. And one of those places is our spouse. And I had to walk through taking my identity out of who Jared was. Um, We're married and we're one because of that. But I'm still Katie. I'm not Jared. Yeah. And what he believes doesn't have to define me. I think it's so easy to do that, especially as a young married couple. Well, if he doesn't go to church, what does that say about me? And the church falters at causing that to be the case. You know, I stopped going to church for a while because I didn't want to answer where he was. Mm. He's at home in bed. He's at home playing video games. Well, the judgments start, you know? Sure. But that's his choice, and it's not my responsibility to make him go to church. And in fact, that was much more toxic for our marriage than saying, if you don't want to go, don't go. I'm not going to make you. Yeah. Well, and you talked about your son also. I mean, I'm I'm not even sure just how you would navigate that. Of course, Rebecca and I don't have kids, but how you would navigate, you know, those conversations about how. Um, you feel like you want to raise him versus how Jared and, and and valuing those two opinions, right? Valuing those two sides, and so, um, yeah. I don't, can you speak to that at all? Yeah, he was about three or four when Jared walked away. Um, he's six now, 
the conversations have really just started with him this year. Um, we didn't want to hide it from him, but we also didn't want to put something on him that he was not mature enough to handle. Sure. Um, he knew that there was something different. Daddy stopped going to church. Daddy hasn't come to church with us since. So the questions kind of started around that. Why don't you go to church with us? Um, and it just was a simple, well, I don't believe those same things. So I don't want to go to church. Um, this year, I've seen the grief that I had to walk through come out in my son. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a post that I did on a conversation I had with him where he asked the question, um, is daddy going to heaven? And he hasn't really grasped the concept of hell yet. So for him, it's just a, he's going to heaven or he's not. Right. Um, but he had to really process that, no, he's not. That's my belief right now is he's not going to, if the Lord comes back today or tomorrow. Um, we had to talk about that can change. Wow. You know, he still has time to make that decision to commit his life to the Lord. And for me, it was, and this is a hard concept for us as adults to grasp. So explaining it to a six-year-old, but realizing there is no wife, husband, daughter, son, brother, sister in heaven. Right. Right. Those relationships are all earthly. And so Yes, I love Jared, and I want him to spend eternity in heaven, but it's not going to feel like I'm losing my husband the same way it does here on earth. Sure. Um, And getting a six-year-old to understand you're not losing your father in heaven. That won't exist there. Um, So I focused a lot more with him on... You're right. Your earthly dad is not going to be there. But you have a heavenly father, and he will be there. But this is why we pray for him. This is why we lift him up and trust the Lord with it. He's not, it's not all lost yet. Yeah. Yeah. I I remember that. uh, I I remember reading that uh, several months ago. Um, That's the backseat conversation, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so I remember reading that, um, this just setting, wondering what would I do? How would I handle that? And just having no, no idea. Oh, it's God's words in my mouth. Like, I mean, we were driving to school. That's why they're backseat conversations. (laughs) We're literally driving and, you know, I'm like bawling my eyes out and, um, yeah, it's the Lord's words, but. Jared and I are both very much on the same page that we don't want to hide any of it from him. We want to be very truthful about we we disagree. Yeah. We still love each other, even though we disagree. Um, I have had to change my lingo. You know, I talked about how my belief set literally says his belief set is wrong. Yeah. His doesn't say that. It's much more postmodern worldview. So whatever you want to believe is fine. Just don't force it on me. Yeah. Um yeah. and I've had to change my, the conversation for me has to be more, well, let's see what the Bible says about that. Mm. The Bible says daddy's wrong. Mommy doesn't say daddy's wrong. Yeah. Um, really making sure that it's never mommy versus daddy yeah. with him. 
um, is so important. But we've, I do believe he has an advantage over kids who grow up in a spiritually matched home. Yeah. Because he's having conversations that I think most six year olds should be having with their parents and they're not. Right. Yeah. Because it's not a conversation we need to have. Most 12 and 18 year olds don't no. have those conversations. No, it's not something many people will face until they're adults. And even then, some of them don't face how do you have a conversation with someone who has a complete opposite view as you yeah. and it be a healthy conversation right. and accept them as a person for who they are, regardless of the fact that they disagree with you on some fundamentals. Yeah. 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 I. Yeah, I mean, I just thinking about some of the things Rebecca and I have talked about the last six months or year, or maybe even some of the studies we've done, really just about how to love people who are not like you, right? And how to um, love like the Lord loves, even though you disagree. And what does that look like? And so often we we can't do that, so we just don't even engage with them. We pull away from them and we uh, walk around them. Or take a different path to school or uh, the the office or whatever the case may be. Um, so we just avoid those conversations instead of engaging with them. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think, you know, uh, Jenny Summers, with Jenny and Tyler, when they were on a few weeks ago, she, one of the things inspiring her is uh, Emmanuel Acho, uh, Conversations with the Black Man. And I heard about that right before um, we had them on the show. But I hadn't looked into it a whole lot or started watching those uh, episodes. And so I've since watched several of those. And it's just real truth, real honest, real gracious, opening up questions. And everything's on the table. Let's talk about it. And uh, and I think that's so healthy. And so I, I think there is a health in your son, the way you're raising him, and the way he will be able to engage and, and really love people in such a... I want to say a more authentic mm-hmm. way than so many of us have learned. Yeah. Um, well, and when he's my age, he's not going to go through figuring out his beliefs. Yeah. He's going to know what he believes and why he believes it, whether or not it's Christianity. Yeah. Because right. he's already figuring that out. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate the, the you just sharing your story with us and your openness and authenticity. I know, um, you know, it has to have been just a a hard, crazy time and probably is still very challenging at times, especially when it comes to your son and, and even, like you said, even figuring out how to have those conversations with your husband. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing that with us. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Well, you know, one of the things, as I talked about actually just a moment ago with Emmanuel Acho, is there, um, is there something right now that's just really inspiring you or... Uh, someone that's really inspiring you? So I kind of mention it when we talk about planning for the year. Elisa Pulliam, she's a life coach. Um, and I listened to one of her podcasts recently talking about planning. And um, I like to pick a word for the year. And yeah. I think this word really fits 2020 more than maybe hopefully 2021. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I still am going with it because it's very possible 2021 could look this way for at least half of the year. Um, But she uses the word pivot. Ah. And I am, I have high anxiety. So when something doesn't go the way I want it to go, it's very easy for me to catastrophize and make it 10 times worse than it really is. Um, 
but I have been reminding myself of just pivot. It's okay, you know, and I've never liked the word flexibility because people always tell me to be more flexible since I'm a planner and I'm like, Uh. but no, we must plan. (laughs) (laughs) But the word pivot just sounds better to me. You know, I'm still grounded. I still have my firm foundation, but I'm just going to turn a little bit and go with this direction instead of that direction. And um, so that's, that's really where my inspiration is at right now. Okay, great, great. Well, you know, another thing we, we ask all of our guests is, and talk about quite often, just personally, of course, is coffee. And so uh, we can't have you on the podcast and not ask you about coffee. So do you have a favorite coffee or coffee spot or anything you'd like to share with us? Yeah. Um, the local coffee shop I frequent is called Jennings in small town Dayton, Tennessee. Okay. Um, my drink of choice there is a hazelnut brevet. And it's actually the only place, well, not the only place, it's the only place in my town that I will drink a brevet uh, because the coffee has to be good enough to uh. drink a brevet and not, <laughs> you know, fill it with a whole bunch of other stuff. Right. So. Well, and, you know, of course, we've talked on the podcast several times. You turned us on to the Daily Rise. And so we still have a, a couple of uh, different coffees in our drawer from there that we enjoy. And I think we counted up recently, we have about nine coffees in our drawer, which is a lot more than we normally keep because we like to use them quicker than that. Uh, But we also have already talked about change, right? We love change. So it works well (laughs) for us because we can drink a different coffee every day of the week and (laughs) and still have another half a week to go probably. So, well, cool. Well, thanks again for being here and uh, good luck in the new year. Look forward to uh, the writing journey that we're on together through Hope Riders and and seeing where that uh, takes you and your your blog. Tell us again about your blog and where people can connect with you. Yep. You can find me at themismatchedwife.com. Facebook is Katie Arthur. I'm on other social medias. I don't engage on other social medias, <laughs> so don't find me there okay. <laughs> or expect much out of me there, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Go check out her website, uh, get connected with her and, um, Let's start having those conversations that we just don't have. That's what this is all about. Mm-hmm. So, well, once again, thank you so much for being here. Until next time. Bye. Bye.